pray for these guys. Just extend your hand because I want to bless them more than just tonight. What God's using them for in the city in these days because I really feel like they're going to be parents to many. So, Father, we just bless the fishers more, Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for them. God, I just, I just ask for an increase. God, expand their hearts to receive more. More of your love, God. More of your joy. God, I ask for wisdom in the days to come. Lord, you said any of us lack wisdom that we'd ask, God, and you'd give it to them. So give them wisdom and discernment in the days ahead. Give them an anointing to lead. God, I just thank you for their love and their friendship. And I pray that you'd open our hearts to receive with readiness the word of the Lord tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. You can clap again. Yeah, let me just raise this a little bit here. And Ben's a pastor at North Heights, I forgot to say that. <laughs> oh, so that would probably make more sense, wouldn't it? Totally. There's lots of good seats right up in the front. <laughs> okay. Get a little closer, yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, delivered my message. Did, did he do that? Yes. Okay. Thank ah. you. Okay. That's a, okay. There we go. Yeah. It's good to be able to be here with you guys tonight. Um, and I'm going to be preaching on a topic that is very important to, to me personally in my life. And um, I noticed for many of you, it's it's focused really on hearing the voice of God. Um and hearing the voice of God is, is just really so important to, to everything else that you do uh, in your life, that you can use the word of God and you can also uh, just listen with your heart and hear the Lord's voice speaking to you. And uh, I'll start briefly with about just two minutes of testimony, and then I'm going to jump into some teaching. Could you? Okay. Um, yeah. Back in February... I really experienced a personal breakthrough in the area of hearing God's voice. Uh, before that time, I had encountered uh, some different experiences in the Holy Spirit uh, that were just of uh, you know, a wonderful level they had to do with hearing God's voice. But really in February, something really life-changing took place for me, and I began to just hear in a way that I'd never heard before. And I'm going to share with you just some brief testimonies about that. Um, what I mean by hearing God's voice, and I really do mean in everyday life, uh, just in very, very practical kinds of ways. Um, one of them would be in the purchase of our house. My wife and I, we just recently bought a house, and I can remember being in the house, and right away, as soon as we saw it, the Lord told me, this is the house that you're going to purchase, that you're going to buy, that you can live in. And, um, and I just said, okay, God, and so we're walking around, um, in this house, myself and my realtor, my realtor said to me, he said, so what do you think? And I said, well, I, I think this is the place. And he said, I, I said, do you really think that way? And I said, yeah, I do. And I'm looking around and I'm just getting getting this, this message from the Lord. He's saying, this is the house that you're to buy. And, um, you know, I said, well, you know, why, why do you think that that would be a bad decision? And I began to ask my realtor. And he said, well, man, this is turn of the last century construction. So if you buy this house, there could be newspaper in the walls. So you'd go broke trying to heat this place in the winter. 
And I, I just said, okay, and, I'm, and I just kind of took that into an advisement, and then I just kind of pulled back for a second into my spirit, and I'm listening, and I keep hearing God say, this is the house. And so I just, I just said to, the, to, to my realtor, I think this is it. And he said, I cannot support that decision. That was, that was his counsel to me. And I, and I said, well, um, you know, thankfully you're, you're paid to do this, so you, you have to uh, do what we ask you to do. And then, um, so then I went home and I began to pray. And I was talking to the Lord. And the Lord said, the Lord said to me, Ben, just buy the house. And I said, God, I'm scared. I don't want to go broke trying to heat this place. And he said, Ben, Ben, don't worry. There is high-quality insulation in the walls. <laughs> All things are naked and exposed to the, to the eyes of him. Anyways, uh, so, so I said, all right, God. So we purchased the house, and then uh, about a week later, Sarah found uh, some digital photographs that were in our kitchen uh, drawer that were of construction workers installing brand-new Tyvek um, insulation onto the walls of the house as they were putting on uh, just a, a new facade on the thing. And uh, so there, there it was, and we made the right decision because we heard from the Lord, and then we did what he told us to do, even though it seemed to run contrary to the counsel that we were getting. That's really important. It's a very practical thing in your life to be able to hear God's voice. That's good. I, I'll give you another example. This is an example of hearing God's voice for purposes of ministry. Um, I, I was talking to a friend of mine, and this, uh, this is a good friend of mine, and I, I really love this guy. I really appreciate him. So I have really a vested interest in his life, and he asks me, he says, Ben, I've got my heart set on this particular girl, he says to me. And he says, so what I want to do is, is I just want to pray with you for a minute because uh, I've, I've been invited to go and to see this particular girl, I'm not going to tell you any names to this story, um, <laughs> at a play. And, uh, and I feel like I'm supposed to go, and I, you know, I feel like maybe this, is, this might be my wife. And so I, I said, would you pray with me? And I said, can I just go talk to the Lord first before we pray about it? He said, yes. So I hung up the phone. I go back into my room. And I just began to talk to the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I was talking to the Holy Spirit. And I said, God, is, this, this is these are two godly young people. My goodness. And this, this guy, he's my good friend. you know. And, and I know the girl is you, right? And the Lord very, very distinctly said, no, this is not of me. And, and I said, whoa, I, you know, I... I God, I, uh, that's interesting. Wow. And, <laughs> so then I, and, then, and, then he, and then he said to me uh, something that I did not want to hear. He said, and I want you to tell him so. <laughs> and that breaks all kinds of prophetic etiquette, you know, dates, mates, don't talk about that kind of stuff, right? And so I, I was really uncomfortable with this. And, and then I, I said, Lord, I, I can't possibly say that to him, you know. Couldn't you give me some sort of an indication, a sign maybe that that's the case? And, and he said, well, sure, I'll give you two. And he gave me two signs. I said, the first one is that when, he, when this young man, when he goes to the play, he will notice that the girl that he's interested in is going to be dressed mostly in black costumes. And that will be the sign number one to him. And the second sign will be that, uh, that the girl won't be in any romantic relationships in any, with any other characters in the play that she's in. So I want you to tell him that. So I got on the phone, and I told him those things, and he just kind of was like, oh, okay, that's like really um, not what I expected. And <laughs> so I, I said, yeah, you know, if it's, if it's wrong, I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> so he goes to the play, and then, and then I, he calls me back and says, Ben, that was the word of the Lord. And what I had said to him was this, actually, after I told him what the signs were, 
as I said, that I felt as though the Spirit of God was saying that he would see these things at the play, and then the Spirit of God, his hand would come down like this towards, towards my friend's heart, and then my friend would grab the hand of God, and that together they would close his heart to this particular woman, and then he would walk away and be free to pursue his spouse. He said, God did that. The absolute, I, I walked away, I'm, I'm free from that. So many things. I'll just give you one more story. Um, a good friend of mine that I was discipling, uh, just just a great guy. He's, he's right now getting equipped with call to all to be a missionary and evangelist. And um, he came to me on our, our last discipleship session that we were going to have together before he moved to Kansas City. And he comes in and he says, Ben, I, I want to go and I, I want to um, uh, I want to do some evangelism for our last session together. Can we do that? I want to do it at a pool hall I have in mind. And uh, so we just, we'll just go get on 694 and head there. What do you think? I said, well, we get on the road, we're driving down the road, and as we're driving down the road, I heard, or not heard, I, I saw a picture in my mind. This was a mental picture. Um, and it was a mental picture of the number 65 on a sign. And I, I, so I asked the guy, are we going to, uh, to uh, Central uh, 65, or is that the, that the exit we're getting off? And he said, yes, how did you know? I said, we got off. <laughs> we get off on that particular exit. We begin to drive down that road, and the Lord just quickens to my heart. He says, "In two miles, you're going to stop at a gas station and fill up your gas tank." So I looked at my odometer and I said, two miles." Well, two miles down the road, there was a gas station. So I pulled off and filled up my tank. I get back into my car. As soon as I got back into the car, I heard the Spirit of God say, "Now." Check your odometer, because in four miles, you're going to arrive at your destination. And I just said, okay. So we're driving down the road. I looked at my odometer four miles later, and I, and I looked up, and I saw a sign that said, uh, restaurant and bar. I was on my left-hand side, and I said, is this the place? And my friend said, yeah, it is. How'd you know that? <laughs> and I, I said, I, I don't know. I just, uh, and I said, well, Maybe the Lord is going to give us success. So he goes, and make a long story short, he ends up evangelizing a guy, and it was a really exciting thing. I was just praying uh, just fervently for this man to come to the Lord. And uh, the guy didn't get saved that day, but you never know. You plant a seed, right? How many of you ever shared the Lord with somebody, and they didn't just come right away to the Lord? It was just a seed that was planted. Well, um, But then the funny thing was is that you know, God's got a sense of humor. He likes to mess with people. And so I'm going, I'm going home that night, and, and it just it just continued to flow. So I'm, I'm about two blocks away from my house, and, uh, and not, not two blocks, about maybe eight blocks. Sorry about that. And I'm driving down the street, and I hear the Spirit of God say to me, Ben, at the stop sign five blocks ahead, you're going to see a van coming at your left like this. And I said, oh, that's nice. And I stopped at the stop sign, and there was a van coming. And then later on that night, I was waiting for a friend of mine to come to me, and he was late in coming, and I, I'm waiting in my house. My wife had gone to sleep, and I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting for this guy to come, and I'm just like, God, I, you know, is he not coming? What's going on? <laughs> Finally, at about 11 o'clock, I heard the Spirit of God say in my heart, get up and go outside right now. Right now? Right now. So I get up and I walk out. <laughs> that second, he was pulling his car up. And, and you know... These kinds of experiences are supposed to be normal in the Christian life, um, but unfortunately, for many of us, they're not. You know, hearing God's voice, you know, is, is a thing that a lot of people struggle with. So I want to talk to you about that tonight, and I want to talk to you about that from the Word of God. Now, I took a lot more than two minutes to explain all that. 
Um, sorry about that. But, but I'm gonna do. We're gonna do the teaching now, okay? And uh, I just want to say up front that you know this may seem like a word at times that that you hope is not true when it comes to the topic of hearing God's voice, but it really can be a key that can open the realm of a hearing relationship with the Lord up in a more dynamic way. I, I believe it to be true. So I want to share this with you tonight. So we're going to talk about hearing God's voice. So if you please do this, just take your Bible, and uh, uh, we're going to start this teaching in John chapter 10. Now, before we get to, to turn to, to turning to John 10, what I'd like you to do is to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34, please. Okay? I mean, we're going to start in John 10, but I want you to go to Deuteronomy 34 first. And here's what I would like you to do, okay? I'd like you to take your ribbon marker. Everybody's got one of these in their Bible, right? A ribbon marker. They're sewn into the binding. Just go ahead and hold that thing up all at the same time. Let's do it. Everybody got it up in the air? Let's go ahead and wave it at the devil, right? Now drop it right there in Deuteronomy 34, okay? And then begin to turn with me to John 10. So we're, we're doing this to save time. So we're going to begin in John 10, and then eventually it's at some point towards the end of the teaching we'll arrive in Deuteronomy 34, I think. Okay, John 10, talk about hearing God's voice. And uh, hearing the voice of the Lord is something that a lot of people in the church, I find, come to with a great deal of apprehension. And um, this apprehension is caused primarily by nagging doubts which stem from the all-too-common question, can I hear the voice of the Lord? Can I hear the voice of the Lord? You know, and um, having been a Christian now for almost 11 years, I can certainly relate to having wrestled with that a time or two, <laughs> or three or four. I can recall even wondering as recent as five years ago whether it were possible at all to be truly confident in knowing discerning the voice of the Lord. To me, the task seemed insurmountable. Mm -hmm. And so for this reason, over time, due to feelings of inadequacy, I eventually came to believe that God only talks to certain people, mm -hmm. to special people, maybe to prophets. However, by God's grace, I eventually came to see the futility of trying to embrace that idea while at the same time clinging to God's word as perfect and without error. And would you like, like to know the reason why? It's because of what John says right here in John chapter 10, or Jesus says right here in John chapter 10, beginning with the 27th verse. Look there. Jesus says to us here, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Wow, let me read that one more time. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That is a powerful statement, is it not? Yes. Notice that there are no exceptions attached to it. No quid pro quos. It is a promise which is inclusive of the entire church, not just prophets, the whole people of God. So now here's the question. What, therefore, ought we to do if we find ourselves unable to discern the voice of the Lord in spite of what he has promised us in his word? Don't you think that's a good question? <laughs> in thinking through that question, I eventually came to see that it could really only be answered in one of two ways. Either one, Jesus was wrong. All of his sheep do not necessarily hear his voice, which would, of course, undermine the authority of the scriptures. Or two, Jesus was serious. You are absolutely meant to hear his voice. 
But that his promise that you will hear him is conditional. Let me say it one more time. If you are struggling to discern the voice of Jesus in spite of what he has promised you in his word, you have one of two choices to make. Either one, you conclude he was wrong, or two, you see that he was serious. You see that you were absolutely meant to hear his voice. But then his promise that you will hear him is a conditional promise. Well, because I was unwilling to side with any option that suggested Jesus or the Bible was incorrect, I began to explore the scriptures more carefully. I became convinced that if Jesus promised to hear him hinge on certain conditions, then those conditions very well could be uncovered in the word of God. Amen? Amen. And so excited at the possibility of greater personal encounter with the Lord, I searched with much eagerness and expectation. So I encourage you to join with tonight as we explore God's invitation to hear him. I think you'll find the journey to be marvelously illuminating. So with that said, let's begin in prayer, shall we? Father, you have said in your word that today, if... We hear your voice. We oughtn't to harden our hearts. Implying that when you speak, we just might not hear you. Which is why you so often said, he who has an ear, let him hear. Father, tonight I pray that you would find us with ears that are ready to hear. I pray that you'd find us with hearts that are ready to receive from you. And most importantly, God, I pray that you would open the scriptures to us on this issue. That we might get a heart of wisdom on how to deepen our relationship with you and come to hear your voice with clarity. We pray that you would do this in the name of your son, your son Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you excited at all? I'm excited. Here we are. Here we are. John, John, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. And uh, the first thing we need to cover in order to grasp the true meaning of Jesus' promise in this passage is to understand that in the scriptures, the Lord's voice is heard in two main ways. Two main ways. Everybody say two. Two Two ways. Now the first is by what we call the written word. And the written word was what Paul was referring to as he exhorted Timothy, his younger disciple, in 2 Timothy 2.15. He said to him, Timothy, do your best to present yourself as one approved, rightly handling the word of truth. Now you see in that passage, Paul was exhorting Timothy to the study of scripture, or the written word. And the written word is the first, foremost and most foundational way that most believers encounter the voice of God. However, it is not the only way. There is another way. There is what we call the living word. And the living word was what Jesus referred to as he encountered and wrestled with the devil in the 40 days temptation in the wilderness. Many of you know the story. Matthew's account tells us that Satan began his battle with Jesus by declaring to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to be turned to bread. Jesus responds to the devil in Matthew 4, 4 by declaring to him, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now listen, that statement powerfully reveals the nature of the living word. Because notice that Jesus did not say proceed dead, past tense. (laughs) Jesus said, man shall live, He's, he's talking in the present tense, right? He said, man shall live, in other words, be strengthened, upheld, and nourished by every word that proceeds, present tense, out of the mouth of God. Now see, that's talking about something different from the written word. That's talking about a special kind of a word that is sent by God for a special kind of a purpose. And the psalmist sang about this kind of a word in Psalm 107, verse 20. He said, the Lord sent his word, and he yielded. 
tell you, I'm so glad that that's true. I'm so glad that that's in the Bible. I'm so glad that when I got saved, Jesus didn't just simply say to me, I love you, man. Now here's a book. I'll talk to you again in 60 years when you get to heaven. No, he continues to send his word to me and to speak to me. Say amen if you're glad that we serve a talking God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, the original Greek expression that Jesus was using to refer to the kind of word he was talking about as he battled with the devil in the wilderness was the Greek word rhema. Everybody say rhema. Rhema. And a rhema is a sent word. It's a now word. It's an immediate word. Carries with it immediate practical application for the circumstance that you're facing. It's actually the very thing that a person who consults a psychic is seeking to encounter. The living word. And contrary to what some churches are teaching these days, the living word is a necessary part of a faith walk that is active and alive in the life of God. Now we know this because Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes as a result of encountering the living word. And you see, this is the reason that Jesus' promise in this passage is so critical for your life, For the life of every single believer you know, it's because Jesus was not talking about the written word in this passage. He was talking about the living word. How do we know this? Because he does not say to us, my sheep read my word and they follow me. That's not what he says. He says, my sheep hear my voice. You see the point. Now, uh, further on, I'm going to show that there's a powerful relationship between the written word and the living word. And when properly appreciated, it is a relationship which dynamically instructs our ability to hear God's voice with clarity in our lives and come to know him. But for now, I'm going to have us focus in on our hearing of the living words and it's key to understanding what Jesus is talking about here when he says, my sheep, hear my voice. Now, um, interestingly enough, the original Greek word for hear in this passage, do you know what it is? It is the Greek word phone. And when you take the word phone and you spell it in English, it's what we call transliteration. When you spell it in English, it is spelled P-H-O-N-E. What does that spell? Phone. Phone. <laughs> Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. It spells phone. And yes, it is related to our English word telephone. It speaks about our hearing an audible sound. And so therefore, could it be that Jesus means for us to read and interpret this passage like this? Listen to this. My sheep hear my audible voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Wow! (laughs) Sound intriguing at all to anybody? I certainly think so. But remember what we said earlier on. Conditional promise. So, the question is, what is a conditional promise, right? Well, the first condition is perhaps the most obvious. However, uh, since it's truly a matter of life and death, I'm going to take the time to state it. Notice that Jesus uh, says here, he says, my sheep, hear my voice. It's the first requirement. You want to hear from God, you first got to belong to God. You've got to be under the care of the good shepherd. Without that, there is no guarantee of your hearing anything. Now, the second condition is less obvious. Notice that Jesus says, my sheep, hear my voice, and I know them. Ready to say, know them. Now, the original Greek word for know in this passage is the word gnosko. It means, somebody knows they're Greek, it means to know intimately. And it's a word that conveys powerfully descriptive truth, because to know, listen, to know is a common Jewish way for describing, uh, I'm just going to say, sex between a man and a woman in marriage. 
Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 says that Adam knew his wife. You know what that's talking about, don't you? It's talking about an intimate two-way relationship, right? So therefore, when Jesus says to us, my sheep hear my voice and I know them, that's not simply talking about God knowing us. It's also talking about us knowing God. Why? Because it would be impossible for Adam to know Eve without Eve knowing Adam. Amen? Right? Phrase it takes two to tango. (laughs) Want to help you grasp what this is saying here? This is talking about an intimate two-way relationship. And so we see that it is within the context of an intimate two-way relationship that we come to hear the Lord's voice with clarity and come to know Him. To know Him intimately. Now, the good news is that when it comes to knowing God intimately... God is actually the easiest, easiest person in the universe to get to know. That's right. Let me tell you why. Because God is absolutely, totally, perfectly consistent in his character, his nature, and his behavior. There's no shadow of turning in God. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember what it says in Numbers 23, 19? It says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he spoken and will he not act? Has he promised and will he not fulfill? Writer to the book of Hebrews states the same truth in the following way, and say it with me if you know it. He says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'll tell you something, that makes knowing God very simple. You want to know why? These people that never change are easy to figure out. Isn't that right? They're predict- Listen, no matter what you have done in the past or you will do in the future, you can always guess where you stand in relationship to a person who simply never changes. Isn't that right? Now, having said that, let me be quick to add that there is a challenge to knowing God intimately. And the challenge is that in our relationship with God, that God calls us to change dramatically. Do you remember how Jesus began his proclamation of the gospel? He said in Matthew 4.17, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, to repent speaks of making a 180 degree change of direction. Bob Mumford once said it like this. He said, that the Lord surprised him one morning by loudly declaring to him, Bob, you and I are incompatible. It's true. And I don't change. (laughs) (laughs) You and I are incompatible and I don't change. See, in our relationship with God, it is we who must change if we wish to know him. Amen? It is we who must alter the course of our life and bring it into alignment with his will and his ways if we desire to know the Lord. And that, my friends, is the true challenge to hearing God's voice, knowing Him intimately. Now, at this point, um, uh, just let me attempt to be transparent about this by admitting to you that I have not always clearly understood what it truly takes to know the Lord intimately. See, because there was a time in my life when I thought that my salvation had instantly ushered me into a place of intimacy with the Lord. However, I have since discovered that that idea is entirely false. It is false. Being saved by the blood of Jesus does not necessarily guarantee intimacy with Jesus. Because salvation and intimacy are simply not the same thing. Okay? Yes, it is true that the reason for Christ's coming was to bring us close to God. That's the reason that he died, right? So that he could bring us close to God. Paul says in Ephesians 2.13 that you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus brings us near to God. Nevertheless, it does not guarantee intimacy with God. What it guarantees, listen, what it guarantees is proximity with God. 
The proximity and intimacy are different. See, a, a husband can have proximity with his wife and yet not be intimate with her. He can share the same street address as her. He can live in the same house with her. He can sleep in the same bed with her at night, shoulder to shoulder, and still be miles away from her emotionally. Why? Because proximity and intimacy are different. That's why the Bible goes on to say in Hebrews 4.16, Let us draw near. So even though we have been brought near, we still need to draw near if we desire to know the Lord. See, friends, I believe that right now the church in this nation is in a place of great confusion concerning the issue of intimacy with God. That's right. And so because this, let me say this as emphatically as I can. Whoa. Let me say this to you. The, listen, leaning close. The blood of Jesus does not determine the level of your intimacy with God. The blood of Jesus does not determine the level of your intimacy with God. I know it does. I know it does. Yes. yes. Obedience. That's right. Yes. Yes. Obedience determines the level of your intimacy with God. That's right. And because this is true, and I'm going to prove it, the opposite also becomes true. That disobedience guarantees that God will know you from afar. And the result of this in your life will be that God will talk to you less. Now, can I ask you a question? Does that sound unfair to any of you? Can I be transparent with you again? There was a time in my life when it did to me. See, because as a young Christian struggling to grasp the promises of the gospel, there was a time in my life when that idea that my obedience could help me to hear God clearly, that idea sounded enormously challenging and even disheartening to me. I tell you, I cringed at it. To my ears, it sounded like a works-based version of Christianity. <laughs> However, over time, the Lord began to show me in His Word why this was true. And so tonight, I'd like to spend the remainder of our time examining the lives of two Biblical characters that perfectly exemplify exactly what I'm preaching to you about. And here's the deal. If you would prefer to live the rest of your life believing that what I just said to you is not true, you may not like what I've got to say here tonight. Hear me now. If you eagerly desire to go deeper in your relationship with God, no matter what the personal cost to you, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to begin to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. Oh God. We really need to know this, Lord. We really need to know this tonight. You've got to hear this tonight. You want to know how to know the Lord intimately? I'm going to tell you. Now let me do a brief setup here. Are you there? Exodus 33, just say amen if you are. Alright. Now let me do a setup here. The book of Exodus introduces us to one of the most compelling figures in all of Scripture, a man named Moses, right? And Moses was a man who the Bible said talked with God. Isn't that right? He clearly modeled the lifestyle of intimately knowing the Lord. However, here's what I want to say to you about Moses. That Moses' intimate walk with God was not the result of a cosmic accident. There was intentional effort that was exerted on Moses' part to get to know the Lord. And Moses' efforts show us the pathway into a lifestyle of intimately knowing God. And right here in Exodus chapter 33, verse 12, are you there? It says that Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you've also said, I know you by name, and you've also found favor in my sight. Now, pause for a moment. Look up at me. How would you like to have God 
say a thing like that to you. Yeah. John, you have found favor. Listen now, Moses, emboldened by this reality, prays a prayer which reveals how you can get to become intimate with God. Would you like to see this? Would you like? Anybody want to see this at all? Okay. Look at this. Verse 13. Moses prays, Now therefore, God, if I have found favor in your sight, here it is, please show me now your ways that I might know you. Please show me now your ways that I might know you. Are you seeing this? Now, the Hebrew word for know in this passage is the word yadeh. It is the Hebrew equivalent to the Greek word gnosko we studied in John 10. It means the same thing, to know intimately. And so right away we see that Moses' prayer displays his passion to know the Lord intimately. But more important than displaying his passion to know the Lord intimately, Moses' prayer reveals to us the first step to intimately knowing God. That if we desire to know the Lord intimately, we must first seek to know his ways. And the Hebrew word for ways in this passage is the word direct. It means manner, habit, way, course of life, or moral character. The reality of which, listen, is displayed most clearly in the commandments that God delivered to Moses. Now we know this because in Deuteronomy 8, 6, Moses tells us plainly. He says to the children of Israel, observe the commands of God, walking in his ways and fearing him. This was the lifestyle that Moses desired to live. It was the lifestyle that he passionately wanted to live. Amen. That's right. And this lifestyle of living in the ways of God became a powerful entry point for Moses to experience intimacy with the Lord. And so exemplary was Moses' walk in this regard that towards the end of his life it was written of him in Deuteronomy 34.10, and I quote, There has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. <laughs> Or as it says in the Hebrew, mouth to mouth. See, towards the end of his life, God graciously answered this prayer request. He revealed to Moses his ways. And through living and walking in the ways of God, Moses gradually came to understand how to hear God's voice. And this helps us greatly in our own lives. If we want to hear God's voice, here's how you do it. You hear God by knowing God. Amen? We already saw that in John 10. You hear God by knowing God. But listen to this. We know God by knowing His ways. And it's critical that you grasp the necessity of it. I can see this. You don't see the significance of it. It's critical that you get how important this is. Because hearing the voice of God and having intimacy with God requires for you to have the ability to relate to God. Something that no human being naturally possesses. Do you remember what the prophet Isaiah said about it? He said, my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. Listen, none of us think like God in the natural, amen? But through living and walking in the ways of God, we can gradually learn how the Lord thinks and thus how he speaks. Now having said this, let me be quick to add that the ways of God cannot be apprehended through mere head knowledge. Simply studying the ways of the Lord, precept upon precept, all throughout the scriptures will not necessarily in and of itself, strengthen your ability to hear God's voice, not automatically. Why? We need to lay hold of the ways of the Lord by living them. Because this Hebrew knowing everything that we're talking about here tonight, it's deeply experiential. It works like this. If you want to know how high that mountain is, son, you're going to have to climb it. That's right. 
If you want to know how fierce that sea is, you've got to sail it. And if you want to know the ways of God, you've got to live them. Which shows us why obedience is so critical to hearing God's voice. Now you see, this is the reason that I said to you a, a couple moments ago that the blood of Jesus does not instantly usher you into a place of intimacy with God. Why? Because the blood of Jesus does not automatically impart to you a perfect knowledge of all God's ways. That knowledge is costly. It is expensive. It costs you something. It costs you the freedom to live your own way so that you can turn and live the ways of God. Put it this way. Your salvation costs God something. Amen? Well, your intimacy with the Lord is going to cost you something. Worth it. So, it works like this. We hear God by knowing God. Okay. We know God by knowing His ways. But here's the catch. We cannot know the ways of God unless we first become obedient to them. Otherwise, the whole thing is just utterly confusing. So we live the ways of God that we may know the ways of God we know the ways of God, that we may become intimate with God. We become intimate with God that we may hear the voice of God. What happens when you ignore this process in your life? Well, let me show you. Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 2. First, are you still with me? 1 Samuel chapter 2. Now, as you're turning through the pages of Scripture, understand that you are moving forward in history about 400 years to a time in Israel's history when they had been settled in the Promised Land for some centuries. And during those days, the Bible introduces us to a man named Eli. Everybody say Eli. Eli. And in his day, Eli was the high priest over the entire nation of Israel. He was the person that was most responsible to care for the daily duties of overseeing the tabernacle of God. He was also the person that was most responsible to proclaim and to teach the word of the Lord to the nation of Israel. But in his day, the Bible tells us that Eli had fallen into disobedience with God. His whole household had. They had begun to defile the sacrifices that were being offered to the Lord by eating the fat of the animals instead of burning it. And this was strictly forbidden for the priest to do. Why? Well, because God goes to Aaron in Leviticus 3.17 and says, Aaron... This shall be a statute for you throughout all your generations and in all your dwelling places that you shall eat neither fat nor blood. Why no blood? Because the atonement is in the blood. Why no fat? Because the best part of the sacrifice is God's. Got that? So you will eat neither fat nor blood. And yet, look what we find here in 1 Samuel chapter 2 beginning with the 12th verse. Look there. It says, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Problem number one. They didn't know him intimately. Verse 13, The custom of the priests with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servants would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand, and he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and all that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. Now this was illegal. Let me tell you why. Because the priests were only supposed to take 10% of the sacrifices that were being offered. Not as much as they wanted to, only 10%, but that's what they were doing. It says, this is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Verse 15, moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if the man said to him, let them burn the fat first and take as much as you wish, he would say, no, you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. 
Verse 17, Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of God with contempt. Now hear me. Just look up at me. It would be a mistake to assume that Eli's sons were the only ones guilty of doing this. Let me tell you why. Because when God sent a prophet to deal with this problem, through the mouth of that prophet, God pins that same sin upon Eli. Look what it says here in verse 29. This is God speaking through a prophet. He says, why, he's speaking to Eli, he says, why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings that I commanded you and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering? Do you see that? Notice that God has included Eli in the sin of his sons. So we see that Eli himself was guilty of eating the fat. And look, look what happened to Eli towards the end of his life. 1 Samuel 4.18. Look there. It says toward the end of Eli's life that he fell over backward from his seat by the side of the gate and his neck was broken and he died for the man was old and heavy. <laughs> now, I know some people are sensitive about this. Let me, let me just explain this. This is not a case of genetic obesity. This is not a thyroid problem. This man did not have diabetes. This man had been eating the fat of sacrificial animals for the better part of 40 years. Look, what it, look it says it right there. He had judged Israel 40 years. Direct disobedience to the word of the Lord. And how did this impact his ability to hear God's voice? See for yourself. 1 Samuel 3.1. Look there. It says, So the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Now look up at me. These verses show us three things which demonstrate how greatly disobedience harms our ability to hear God's voice with clarity. Number one, notice that the word of the Lord was rare. That speaks of a lack of God sending his rhema word Taste people. It's a lack of that. In plain English, it means that God wasn't talking very much. Joined to this, notice also that there was no frequent vision. In other words, people weren't seeing visions. Now, visions is a common way that we hear from God. And this particular issue, this would have had a disastrous impact upon the entire nation. Why? Because Solomon comes along in Proverbs 29, 18 and says, Without a vision, the people perish. So this would have had national consequences. Lastly, notice that Eli's eyesight had begun to grow dim. You see this? His eyesight began to grow dim. Now, what does it say about Moses' eyesight towards the end of his life? Do you remember when I had you mark out Deuteronomy 34 at the beginning of this message? Would you turn there, please? I want to show you what it says about Moses towards the end of his life. Look at the seventh verse. It says that Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed. So Eli's eye was dim, and Moses' eye was undimmed. As I saw that, I, I just something in me began to churn. I'm like, look at all the similarities between the, the lives of these two men. Look at this. Both of them were of the tribe of Levi. Both of them were the top leader over their nation in their day. Both of them were called priests of the Lord. Both of them had a ministry season that lasted exactly 40 years. Right? It says right here, Moses was 120 when he died. 
God visited Moses when he was 80, so he ministered for 40 years. What did we just read in 1 Samuel 14? Eli ministered. He judged the nation of Israel for 40 years. So they both had a ministry season that lasted exactly the same length of time. The only difference between the lives of these two men is that one of them obeyed the word of God and the other one didn't. And so towards the end of his life, Moses' eye was undimmed and Eli's eye was dimmed. Now, in light of the stark contrast between the lives of these two men, I have come to see Eli's blindness as being comparable to Paul the Apostle's after his road to Damascus encounter. You remember when Paul went blind on the road to Damascus? You know, God wasn't blessing him when it when happened. You realize that, right? That was not a blessing when God did that. Paul was spiritually blind. He was persecuting God out of zeal for God. And so just God looked down from heaven and said, Paul! And he saw, you're, you're so spiritually blind, but the kindest thing I can do for you is strike you with physical blindness so that you can feel how blind you are. See, because of Eli's disobedience, I, I, I've come to see his blindness as being a lot like that. It is a physical manifestation of a profound loss of spiritual sight. So the consequences of our sin and our relationship with God are plainly twofold. Number one, God talks to you less. I said that, didn't I? God talks to you less. Number two, we begin to lose our ability here and to perceive the living word of God. Just, just like Eli, he went, he went just blind. We become blind, we become deaf in the spirit. It's like God says something to us. Hey, he tries to get our attention on something, and we're like, what? 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 And, what? I didn't quite, I didn't catch that. Did you say something? Did you say something? I didn't hear that. No, I don't know. What happens? So the measure to which I'm living in a life of compromise is the measure to which I will hear the voice of God. You see, some of you probably wish that this wasn't true. I mean, I, I wish it wasn't true sometimes. You know, well, actually, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't wish this is not true. Because I don't want to live in a life of compromise. Because I'm glad that obedience brings freedom from sin, right? Because we get out from underneath of the consequences of sin when we obey God. But when we disobey God, we come under those consequences. And you begin to taste of the negative side of the law of reaping and sowing. Right? I mean, who wants to be under that? Sign me up for the positive side. I'd like the other program, please. <laughs> You know, all this reminds me, I'm going to close with this. I've probably gone way over. Um, all this reminds me of this, this young man that I was, I was mentoring once. He was a man that had like uh, um, kind of a prophetic gifting on his life, I, I would say. And I was m mentoring him, and, and um, I was just beginning to see some of these things. And he came and he said, I'd love to be able to hear God's voice more clearly. And I said, well, there are keys to that in the Word of God. How many of you understand that what I've just preached to you, that this is not just like four steps from Ben Fisher on how to hear God's voice. <laughs> this is a divine pattern. So I said, well, there are keys to that. What's your life like? And he told me a couple things. Oh, okay, well, here's what you do. You adjust these things, okay? And just go do that. And then come back to me in a week and just, just see what happens to your spiritual hearing. Just see what happens. So he said, all right. And he, he goes away. He comes back a week later. I said, so are you hearing God yet? He said, no. Well, did you do it when I, when I was showing you? Did you do that? I said, no. 
Well, then go do that first. We, we can't, there's really not a whole lot else. I mean, I don't even know that much about hearing God's voice. I'm just beginning to hear it myself more clearly. But listen, just go and just do that first thing and then come back. And I guarantee you, something's going to start happening because this is just plan his day in the Word. So I said, all right. So he goes, goes away, comes back a week later. Did you do it? No. This went on for about five or six weeks. Then the man started struggling with fits of rage. Now, this was very unusual. This is very out of character. For the, if I'd ever introduce you to this guy, now he's doing great now, by the way. But if I'd introduce you to this guy, I mean, he's the meekest, gentlest person. Just pearl of a man. And it would, that would kind of shock you. Fits of rage. Are you serious? Well, he was. His faith was struggling. Why? Because man is meant to live, in other words, be strengthened, upheld, and nourished by our hearing of the living word of God. Right? What does Paul say? Faith comes by hearing the living word of God. So here's what happens. When you don't hear the living word of God for an extended season, what begins to happen to you is that your faith struggles. You start to struggle in your faith. Why? Can I finish the proverb that I quoted to you earlier? What does Solomon says? He says, without a vision... The people perish. In other words, without being able to hear God clearly, another translation says, without the prophetic revelation, mm -hmm. the people perish. Why? Their faith perishes. But that's not the whole proverb. Solomon ends it like this. He says, without a vision, the people perish, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Why? Because he who keeps the law, in other words, he is obedient, will receive the prophetic revelation, and his faith will not perish. You see that? See, what happens is that you, you get out of touch with God. You're not hearing him right. And what starts to take place in your life is, is just your faith starts to really suffer. That's what was happening to this guy. You know what happened to me? He started to come into what the prophet Amos described in Amos 8.11. Started coming into a famine of hearing the word of God. Listen, the prophetic fulfillment of that warning in Israel's history was a 400-year period of divine silence between the Testaments. It lasted for 400 years. And it so hindered the faith of the nation of Israel that by the time Jesus showed up on the scene, one of his most common complaints was, Oh, faithless generation. Why? Why was their faith struggling? Because they hadn't heard a thing from heaven in like 400 years. So he was struggling. This man was like struggling hard. It was like a battle. It was a spiritual battle. And uh, it finally got to the point, I said, I, 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 can't, I can't meet with you anymore. And let me tell you why. Because, because every time you come to me and then you go away and you don't do what the word of God says to you to do on this particular topic, what happens is your heart gets harder. And when your heart gets harder, you, you come in, it's like I'm a catalyst for some worse condition because I'm telling you what to do but you're not doing it. And, and, and so my words to you, it, well it's not my words, it's the word of the Lord, but it becomes a catalyst for hardening your heart. I love you too much. I can't do this to you. What you have to do is you have to just do what I'm telling you to do. Do what the word of God says. You will hear the voice of God. I promise you, you'll hear it. About a year now. Yeah. 
he started to do some of the things. Like there were certain areas in his life that he needed to get a hold of. And he's now getting a hold of those things. And the result is, 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 is the passion of God is coming back. Faith is starting to strengthen. Hearing God is easy. I'm not talking about being a prophet tonight. It's the degree to which our lives are in spiritual compromise is the degree to which we hear. Can you, can you look at John 10, 10 one more time? Look at this. Not John 10, 10, 10. John 10, 27. Look there again. Look there again. We started out here, right? I want you to look at this. Okay. You there? Just say amen if you're there. I want you to read this passage like you've never read it before. Look at this. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. See this? Maybe tonight you're just like, oh, man, come on now, seriously. Before I ever heard this message, I mean, you know, I, obviously I've compromised. I close my voice, I hear a little voice. I close my eyes, I hear a little voice talking to me. It's gone. I, so what are you talking about? Has a thought ever hit you that if you're living a lifestyle that does not correspond to a hearing relationship with God, that the voice that you're hearing is... Yes. <laughs> I'm serious. I've experienced that. Anybody can experience that. But if you're living the lifestyle that corresponds to a hearing relationship with God, then you're going to hear God's voice. Why? Because the scripture says so. This will never change. These are the words of one who said his words would never pass away. Now here's what I want to do. Is that some of you, you know, you're hearing this and, and you're just like, you know, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is resting right about the spot where you're sitting. And as that's taking place, you know, there's one of two things you can do in this moment. You can either close your heart to what I'm saying to you and just respond to the voice of the Lord tonight. The Bible said today, if you hear his voice, here's what I want to say to you. All you have to do is take instantly, begin to step into greater results in this. I tell you, I have, I have at times, you know, I've been walking along hearing the God's voice, I'm hearing him say different things to me, and I'm like, okay, great, wonderful. And then slowly over the next couple of five or six days, it begins to get difficult. And I'm like, why can't I hear God's voice clearly? Everything sounds confusing. What's wrong with my, like, Holy Spirit earpiece? I can't really quite, it's not working right. <laughs> and then I go back, my, but the Spirit of God says, hey, remember that thing about eight days ago? Oh, that. Yeah, that made a difference. You know, you sat down, you watched that film, and, and the, I'm, not, I'm just using this hypothetically. I didn't do this. But you sat down, you watched that film where my name was used in vain like 12 times. Yeah, that was offensive to me. And, you know, because I'm here, hello, and, and uh, so could you please repent so that we can step back into intimacy? Oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. And as soon as you do that, it instantly turns the whole thing on. All you have to do tonight is take one step closer to the Lord. Jesus said, my sheep, not my special people, not my, not the guy who spent 40 years in the wilderness. No, my sheep, everybody, hearing and heeding principle. I just, here's what I want to do right now. Um, 
If this is you and the Spirit of God is pointing something out to your heart right now, I want you to stand up. Finger on it. Do you have any... Um, I'll, I'll do what I can to lead us in a prayer time here, but is, is there anybody who can play the guitar or the piano right now? Is this piano too? Could you do that for us? Let's just go ahead and lift your hands to the Lord. All this to yourself. Father God, in, in areas where we are living in compromise, right now, feel, oh, the Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus. Oh! He's coming. He's coming for you right now. Just receive it right now. Receive his forgiveness for you. Receive his word of, of, of forgiveness for you. Just receive it right now. Oh! Jesus. Oh! Father God, I pray right now that you would blow your Holy Spirit across this place. Just blow across this place, Holy Spirit. Oh! Jesus! Start to receive his love for you. His acceptance. Oh! He accepts you. How? Jesus. Come. Come on, Spirit. Come. Come. Just Maybe you just need to, 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 to call out to the Lord. Just go ahead. Oh! Call upon your name, Lord. Oh, manifest yourself to us, Lord Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, for those that are standing up, I want, I want for those of you that are able to minister right now to begin to minister to those that are standing up. Just begin to, to come forward. Maybe you know someone that's standing up right now that you came here with and they need prayer. Start praying for them. Just, just lay your hands on them and just begin to minister God's comfort and reconciliation to them right now. Just go ahead and start doing that. All around this room, just start to do that. God is not slow to forgive. He's not. God is quick to forgive. If we are quick to confess, if we acknowledge things in our heart, Simply say, I'm sorry. That is a step. That's a step yep. toward God. Yep. One way to draw near to God is just to say, I'm sorry. Because you are moving toward God. You're moving toward the cross. And you can with confidence know That's right. that you're going to be able to hear his voice better. That's right. So you take one step, draw near to God. And watch him come close to you. Watch the softness come. Yes. Expect his voice. Yes, Lord. Expect to hear from him. If there isn't anyone around you that's laying hands on you, then just join with those who are close to you, those who are standing next to you, and comfort one another. Comfort one another now in the grace of God, that God's grace is meeting you. You stood, even that, that was drawing near to God. Just standing up was a sign of drawing near to God. So just take a moment to comfort each other, build each other up. Share something that I sense uh, from my own testimony really allowed me to hear the voice of the Lord. And it, and it refers back to Romans 10, 17 that says that faith comes by hearing and hearing. And one thing I think tonight that we want to break our allegiance with 
And, and this happened for me. The Lord called me to remove the ungodly music from my life because I was hearing, in the same way that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, if I'm hearing lies over and over, I come to have faith in them, and it actually blocks my ability to hear from the Lord. And, and I, if that's you and you want to break your allegiance with ungodly music, I want to encourage you to ask those that are praying for you to, and to commit, like Ben said, to not just speak it, but go and change that area of your life. Because truthfully, that is one of the main ways that the enemy is bringing people into bondage, is to hearing over and over and over again lies about who you are, about who God is, about, I mean, it's your whole worldview. And so that, that that's a huge area that, Father, right now, God, we just want to fill our minds with your truth. We want to fill our hearts with the word of God. We want to hear the voice of our shepherd. And God, we just renounce and repent, God, of listening to lyrics that are, are clearly in opposition with your kingdom and your truth, God. Just any ungodly music, we just renounce it, God. We, we cast it aside tonight. God, we want to change that area of our life. We don't want to give ourselves to that which would bring bondage, that which displeases your heart, Father. Hey, for some of you, there are some idols that just got to purge. You got to purge from your life. Some things that you've set in places that shouldn't be. And you're just pushing that aside right now in your heart because you want to go deeper with the Lord. Because you desire His presence above everything else. Jesus. I pray, God, that you would show your grace to those that are turning away right now, Lord Jesus. As we turn our hearts, God, like the song says, as we rend our hearts, would you rend the heavens? Or come down to this place right now, Lord Jesus. I speak against the lie that it is impossible for you to turn 180 degrees from the thing that you're facing. Because the enemy would like to accuse you and say, oh, the word of God is not true. You, you can't possibly jettison this issue. Yes, you can. The, the Holy Spirit is empowering your turn right now away from that thing. And the Holy Spirit will give you strength to stand the next time you're tempted. He will give you strength to stand. Because he's put his spirit inside of you. Father, I pray that you administer your Holy Spirit to every heart in this room tonight, Lord. The presence and the power of the third person of the Trinity in our lives, giving to us supernatural ability to walk in, in holiness unto the Lord. Holiness unto the Lord. We can walk in your holiness, God, because you've given us, you've given us the grace to. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing right now in people's hearts and lives. Thank you that the Lord is yours to be 100% obedient to you, no matter what the cost. No matter what the ridicule for man. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're releasing your people into greater abandon, Lord, right now. We're going to pursue you with greater abandon than we ever have in our lives. No turning back. We choose not to turn back to those things. And even if we end up stumbling and falling, we trust, God, that you are going to work in our hearts and our lives. That this repentance is not false or fake or phony. You can stumble again. But, Father God, that you're going to continue to send your word to us. You're going to continue to call us out. 
You continue to send the call to us, God, and we're going we're gonna to respond, Lord Jesus. Jesus says to you tonight that hearing his voice is easy. It's easy. Just choose to turn away from anything that may be hindering us and we walk towards you and it becomes easy. We thank you, Lord, that it's not on us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that it's not about being clever enough. That hearing you is not about being clever. It's just simply about living as a humble sheep and walking in your steps. Hallelujah. You can minister right where you are with one another. If any of you want to come up with prayer, there will be people up in the front to receive you and to pray with you. And stay standing, you can be seated, take some time. In a few minutes, I'm going to be going upstairs after we have a little time of ministry. New people, just go up to the second floor. Love to meet with any new people here tonight. Take some, take some time now just to pray with one another or to come forward for prayer. thought you've heard God and you've stepped out and maybe it wasn't and I just sense the Lord wants you to know you're forgiven and that he wants you to know that your faith should rest in his ability to lead not your ability to follow and that you can take risk risk is okay to think you're hearing God to have your heart set on hearing God and step out and make mistakes is alright we've all done it and I, and I feel like the Lord is even walking me personally through a couple times where I felt like I've heard God and my genuine heart desire was to please him and afterwards I went into this fear protection mode of I'm not going to do that again because it didn't go well 
And I just say be loosed from that fear. Be loosed from the fear of failure. Be loosed from the fear of missing it. And abandon yourself to his love and his acceptance. And that he is big enough. He is the God of the universe. He can lead you. Trust me. In fact, you don't even need forgiveness. It's like a little child, one year old, that just take a step to walk. The parents don't say, boo. They say, way to go. When you take a step and you don't hear accurately, God says, way to go. You took a step. You took a risk. You can go for it. Um, one thing that I'm just, my heart is going out to is um, not only that we're obedient, but obedient in timing. Um, I think sometimes God can give you something that you're supposed to do or a relationship you're supposed to be in or not be in. And it's about the timing as well. And so I really encourage you to ask the Lord and the timing of things because sometimes you can be obedient and have the right heart, but it can be completely the wrong time. So that's another thing that I really encourage you to also do. There's something about patience. And I love that Jesus waited to do his ministry. It wasn't like he just stepped into it. It was timing as well. So, oh, all right. Uh, Jesus, I praise you that you are about timing, you are about your kingdom and your purposes, and so I ask God that there would be um, just an oil of patience upon people, that Holy Spirit, that you would um, allow just a heartbeat to awaken in people, that they would be able to wait for your timing, and that it would be easy, God. Um, I thank you that it's not easy in the sense that... Um, it goes with um, sacrifice at the same time. So, God, do what only you can do. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Yes. Yes.